0: The following resources presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. Welcome to ZPod, an outreach ministry of Identity Matters Podcast. Z-Pod is focused on addressing the worldview issues relating to the millennial generation and their children, Generation Z. Our new podcast series reveals the importance of the indwelt believer knowing and understanding who they are in Christ. Thank you for joining us today and welcome to Z-Pod with Dr. Stephen Finney. Listeners, welcome to Z Pod. Those of you who are new to our podcast, this is an outreach of the Identity Matters podcast. In our Identity Matters podcast library, you're going to find well over 700 posted messages, videos, articles that are based on the believer's identity in Christ. Which is, by the way, our primary mission is to truly understand the cultural issues that are affecting the believer's identity in Christ and how that identity can and should be used to formulate a worldview within your own mind to understand the modern times that we live in today. Someone recently says, could you just like boil down your mission statement when it comes to worldview? If you believe that when you become born again, you actually inherit the Holy Spirit into your mortal bodies, which is where we get from the scriptures that you have Christ within you. And if you believe that you have Christ within you, you must believe that the mind of Christ is in you. So here is the worldview statement of a Christ's life worldview. That you are viewing life through the mind of God, which was accomplished by putting the mind of Christ within you. Thus you view the world through the mind of Jesus Christ. That is a Christ as Life worldview, plain and simple. So this is our mission for 2018 for our ministry, and that is to hone in on the present generation. There is no escaping this label. This is not something our ministry or a few other ministries is making up. It is a real deal issue that the entire world is facing and literally the marketeers in the world today are already making billions of dollars off of our eight second shoppers, which is their label by the marketeers. Eight second shoppers, if you can't capture the attention of a zeer within eight seconds, you might as well just move on. That is why we must go X, Y, and Z in our presentations. The X generation actually has an attention span of 46.3 minutes. The generation underneath them, the Y generation, is 4.6 minutes. That is why in that generation... The entire industry of videos was moved. All of us were moved from 15-minute videos on YouTube down to making sure that they were less than five minutes. It was to reach the millennials. Now they're telling us we have to reduce those videos to 30 seconds. Because the reality of the attention span of a Gen -er is eight seconds long. It's already documented by some of the largest psychological associations. The marketeers who want to make money off of Gen Z are building their advertisements around an eight-second attention span. Now, for a ministry like ours, when we have this overall mission of equipping generations with the mind of Christ, we have a huge challenge on our hands. And that is why we cannot just speak to Generation Z. Because we won't be able to keep them because I already lost them minutes ago. So our ministry is going to produce first class videos just like Impact 360 is doing with the teenagers. Short, sweet, to the point, highly animated, and very effective in getting the point across. If you come to our Gen Z conference, you're going to get a sample of many of these videos and how we are actually reaching Gen Z with cartoons. You have to use cartoons or demonic figures in order to reach Gen Z. It's called demonics. Yes, that is an actual term that's being used in the creative industry of reaching Gen Z. It's called demonics. It's creating imagery that is bordering on human and a demonic spirit. And it captures the attention of a Gen Zer instantly. Now, that is sad to me when we have to use demonics to capture the attention. Of a generation. Now we're not going to put demonics in our videos, but we are going to use cartoons. Why in the world do you have to use cartoons with an 18 year old? What has happened to our method of thinking that we have to reach grown adults with cartoons? and infomercials that are 30 seconds to 45 seconds long that are filled with cyborging. All of the youth know what I just said, and they understand it. Many of the millennial generational individuals understand cyborging, but many, if not most of Generation X, wonder, what did he just say? What is a cyborging? Cyborging is very simple. It is an integration. It is not a representation. It is an integration of machine and man. These are actual computer chips that are placed within the human body that helps parts of the body that are not functioning correctly. It's been in science for a very long time. So since it's been under research and in the science world, a lot of the Gen Zers are very aware of what cyborging is. 96% of the movies that are in the theaters today are based on cyborging. It is a mixture between human and animation, computer animation. In the science world, it's a mixture between human and computers. It's very simple science. And this is what is capturing the attention of Generation Z. If you are watching the Olympics, for example, almost every single commercial break was based on putting on a virtual reality headset and taking the person into this world I just described to you. Or there were commercials on cyborging, which Toyota is sponsoring extensively in research. This is not something I'm making up. Most people just don't open their eyes and see what is being presented to them from the marketeers if you want to find out what's in science listen to me carefully listener. if you want to find out what is in science look at entertainment years ago there was a television show called the six million dollar man can someone please tell me what the six million dollar man was all about legs and different parts of his body, after he had had a terrible accident, then turned him into a super-spot. Now, how could it be back in 1974 that they could actually put a show together on cyborging? The answer is, as my buddy said, whatever is in Hollywood and their entertainment is in the lab today. That is the best way to explain it. It was already in the lab during that time. Sure, they were exaggerating the point on how far they they have gone in cyborging. But today, it is actually functional. They're doing it. That's how it works. I do the same thing with commercials. Whatever they're throwing at you in commercials they have already have the scientific evidence that they can prove they're commercial. Tonight's primary focus in our message is going to be talking about Gen Z and this pluralistic society that we keep referring to. We're also going to talk about how and why they believe that they can actually function freer in a unified society that it will actually help them thrive economically. It will help them thrive scientifically in the sciences. It will help them thrive in relationships. Do you know how bold people are in telling other people where to get on and where to get off when they jump on a social network and do a posting? And they would never say that to the person face to face. But they'll say it in a text. They'll say it in a social posting. If you would understand how the human mind works with confrontation, you'll get why people, helpers like myself, are very alarmed. Because every confrontation demands a reaction. Or an action. So the action would be, they would reply with, well, I never thought of that, I'm not going to do that anymore. It's an action. If they get a reaction, they get this conversation going on, this digital conversation that goes on, and the content in that digital conversation is typically beyond reality. They cannot back what they're saying to the person, nor do they want to. And then we've got to talk about these tools of chaos. One of them, and the first one we're going to tackle is technology, which is why I set you up with the cyborging illustration earlier. Here's what God's Word has to say about our topic tonight. It's pretty simple stuff, but extremely confrontive. And that is Romans chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. It says, Then what advantage has the Jew? Or what is the benefit of circumcision? Great in every respect. First of all, that they were entrusted with the oracles of God. What then? If some did not believe, their unbelief will not nullify the faithfulness of God, will it? Paul is putting these intellectuals, who were the Romans... They were the intellectuals of the day. He was basically baiting them with irrational conclusions. There was a set of ethics going on in Rome that did not match the new ethics of Christendom. What they were doing at the time is they were taking this new belief of Christianity and they were integrating it into the roman ethics that they were living by romans were known for homosexuality they popularized it in their culture this is why paul talks about in in romans the problematic ethical issues of those who were men with men and women with women he talked about them worshipping the Creation versus the Creator. These are ethical issues. And this is who he is addressing here. He's saying, are are your lies going to nullify the faithfulness of God? Are your lies going to nullify that God is a God of judgment? Are your lies going to nullify who God is? and who God says he is, and what God says he's going to do. I would have loved to have been part of this dialogue and this part of Paul's mission, and watched him deduce the illogical ethics that were going on with Rome, and the guilt that they were personally under for trying to integrate two separate worlds of ethics. So he goes on and says all of that in this passage and finally leaves us with this simple but almost embarrassing question but if through my lie the truth of God abounded to his glory, why am I also still judged as a sinner? This was a confession that the Romans were not able to separate indwelling truth, a born-again experience, with what they had in their minds as what true Christianity was for them at that time. Paul himself was being classified as the liar and the sinner. And this is what Paul suffered with, and if you can imagine in that first generation, the ethical crash that took place between the cultures of the world at that time. Huge colliding of ethical beliefs was going on with Paul and the mission that God had given him. Peter, I don't mean to offend you because you were called to minister to the Jews, but the reality is, is your bridging the gap between the Jews and the Christians was a whole lot more logical for your audience than the audience that Paul had. The audience that Paul had was going to set up this generational ethical problem for generations to come. The Jews are simply waiting for a Messiah to this very day. And Peter was to bridge that gap to say, Folks, hello, hello. He has already come, been crucified and resurrected and is offering you new life. He is Jesus the Messiah, which is what Christ means. Oh, Paul had all kinds of cultural issues that he had to deal with. Not just with the Romans. The Romans were suffering from a pluralistic society anyway. They got it from the Greeks. How many here are aware of how many gods that the Greeks had? Hundreds. But they do they do typically say 120. They had 120 primary gods that they worshiped. They had the goddess of sun, they had the goddess of dirt, they had the goddess, you know, and it just went on and on and on covering every aspect of here we go worshipping creation. The Greeks were known for worshipping creation versus the creator. So, what they did is they placed a Godhead over every aspect of creation. This is what is being said in this passage that Paul's writing to the Romans. The Romans adopted the Greek philosophies of pluralism and multiple gods, which is the same thing. Our generation today is falling under the category of Forentic Pluralism. I am going to show you over the next few weeks the direct historical, secular, historical, church historical data that links Gen Z to the Babylon culture. I am not the only one doing this. David Kinnaman with Barna Group has written a great deal on this, as well as a book, that talks about the new generation, Gen Z, is the digital Babylon. It's some of the most profound things I have read, the most honest things I have read, of someone who is actually taking the time to connect this present generation to the early Greeks And before the Greeks, it was Greek's methodology and mysticism was birthed from the educators of Babylon. I don't expect you to become church historians, but I do expect you to connect very common sense dots. Because nothing is new under the sun. Nothing. It just gets refaced. That's all that happens. It gets refaced, a new color to it. For example, when millennials took our 70s attire, bell bottoms, wearing scarves around our foreheads, you know, we wouldn't tattoo back then, but we would definitely color on our skin. We'd put flowers on our pants. You know, all kinds of funky 70s stuff. The millennials mastered the art of recoloring that fashion. And that is what you're seeing today with the millennials. There's nothing new under the sun at all. A pluralistic society, this is very simple stuff now, stay with me, a pluralistic society is the greatest enemy of the true church today. Now just keep in mind the Greek stuff and the Roman stuff I just covered with you. It's today that it is the greatest threat to the church. Since church traditional ethics and their beliefs from the Old and New Testaments, since that was the core of societal beliefs, and what I mean by that is in 1942, if someone committed adultery, they believed that adultery was a sin and a sin against God because the church had a cultural influence on an unbeliever. So therefore, an unbeliever who never darkened the doorstep of a church or opened a page in the Bible knew that adultery was a sin. They knew that divorce was a sin. Do you understand that divorce in respects to gender, a woman was not able to actually file a divorce on her husband until 19... 1928. So almost for 2,000 years, a woman had no authority or right to even file divorce. The man had to do it. Now you take 1928 up to 2018, and she has come a long way, baby. That's called pluralism. It is moving so fast that the present culture no longer finds their values in the church. So when we talk about generational ethics that have been normal, natural, and neutral, certainly traditional, it no longer exists for Gen Z. And the reason why that this is true is because the millennials actively disinherited The church. And that became the precedent in culture. And thus Gen Z has no foundation of biblical worldview at all. They're literally being born into families who have disinherited the church. And that's why the church went post truth. The basic definition of pluralism is relating to or advocating a system. A system in which two or more states, groups, principles, religions, sources of authority, etc., you can add whatever you want to that list, all coexist by way of uniting their minds. Coexistence cannot develop and multiply unless the minds are pluralistic. Where they go, that's okay for you to think, but that's not necessarily what I think, but I'm okay with you thinking that. Anytime there's an acceptance of plurality, that doctrine infiltrates your mind and it begins to break you down. Complete rejection of false teachers and the, and the false doctrines that they are presenting is what keeps you safe. That's why Paul said, reject false teachers. Do not associate with them. Do not eat with them. And he goes down this list of items that are required of us to preserve our thinking. Well, that's not going to go over today, I can assure you. But what it does is sets us up for this striving in a single culture. Singular means denoting or referring to unified person. I'm even going to put place or thing because it does happen in places as well. It's bringing all within those areas under one note. Culture is achieving, is achievement regarding collective devotion to a leader. A leader of who? Well, whoever the culture is. Well, who's the culture? Well, now you have to do your research. So Gen Z has made it clear that their primary conviction is that various religious, ethnic, racial, political groups should be allowed to thrive in a single society. You see, in America, that's why we have political campaigns. We throw out the rhetoric, we throw out the billboards and the advertisements and whatever to try to shift and move someone's loyalty to your campaign. You think they really care about what you believe? They do not. They need a vote, and they need so many votes to achieve their mission to run the culture, the leader who is in charge of the American culture. It's called a president or a politician. This is formed through the acceptance of individual gods or leaders, as relevant and real to their peers. The motive is birth through placing relationships over absolute truth. You must underline that in your mind. That is at the basis of everything we're going to talk about in 2018. They place relationship over absolute truth. Because I expect everyone to betray. Now, I shared that whole theological concept with you during our betrayal series. But all humans are going to betray. It's what we do. Betrayal comes if someone faces you or affronts you with truth you can't wiggle out of. So therefore, betrayal has to be put in play. So it's not a negative perspective of a person it is understanding that humanity is based on betrayal. That's key when it comes to cultural studies. It's key in understanding marketing to get someone to betray one method of madness to adopt your method of madness. It's the basis of what makes the world go round. So betrayal is beneficial.